Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. One of the questions I get most often from listeners and followers is, Karen, I'm not where I thought I would be at this stage of my life, and I do not know how to manage it. It's hard. It's something that you guys know I absolutely experienced. And so when I come across someone else who has a platform to try to encourage and empower women who are feeling off, feeling off because they've worked hard, they have been disciplined, they have been determined to create a life, to make it happen for themselves. And when they can't make something happen in any realm, It's maddening, it's infuriating, and it's heartbreaking. So when I came across Laura Bankey and her work with her platform of hashtag own your timeline, I knew I wanted to invite Laura onto the program to share how she managed a life that was refusing to play out as she had scripted it to play out. And her platform isn't just about being single, although that was the impetus for her platform and for her message and for her passion and her entire raison d'etre at this point. It's also about anyone at any stage, because some of us had that great marriage and then tragically lost our partner, or we thought we were going to have that baby at age 31, which was perfectly suited for our life and for our relationship and for our timeline. And then that didn't work out because life doesn't always work out the way we want it to. So Laura's message is one that we can all relate to because I guarantee it. At some point in your life, you're going to have to wrestle with something that hasn't played out as planned. Laura's here today to share tangible steps and strategies for owning your timeline, letting go of the fear that grips you because you don't have or you aren't where you want to be, and owning the life that you, as she puts it, life actually, owning the life you actually have. If you drink black coffee or hot tea, I know you've burned your tongue hundreds of times, or you've had to wait 20 minutes for your coffee to cool down, which by that time, your donut or muffin is long gone, and you've missed the joy of pairing that sweet breakfast item with your bitter black coffee. If it sounds like I'm speaking from personal experience, I am, but I've got good news for us. Drink Perfection takes beverages from scalding hot to the perfect temperature, where you can actually appreciate the flavor notes, by the way, in just 20 seconds without watering them down. Learn more at drinkperfection.com. And be sure to check out the Perfector's other application, taking red wine from room temp to wine cellar temperature again in just 20 seconds. Find out more at drinkperfection.com. Laura, welcome to the program. 
Karen, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk with you about uh, all of these exciting things and, you know, this this crazy world of being single. <laughs> yeah. And I am so really thrilled to have met you because I get, and I know you do too, from the folks who follow you, I get so many questions about this stuff. And I know one of the things that sets us apart from other people in the field, and I believe everyone's out here trying to help people. So I have it's not a competition at all. But I know that our unique experience, having really lived that single life in our adulthood for years and years and years, longer than we ever anticipated or ever wanted, that has really provided us with a unique vantage point So let's talk about how you came across this hashtag, this brand, and this passion for women who, and men, but who haven't had their life go as they probably have preferred it to go. Yeah, I I know. And I love everything that you just said. I, I love this. I love what you are doing because finally I found somebody who is speaking in the way that I'm speaking or in about the different um, issues that women face that I'm speaking about too, which I I totally agree with you. There's this kind of void in the way that we encourage women in the self-help and the self-improvement and wellness areas. There are so many amazing people out there. And you you know, I, I'm trying to consume as many books as possible and listen to podcasts and do all of that. And it seems that in, when, when these amazing women are giving this advice, there's always this like tiny little chapter on not being where you think you should be. And they, they'll mention it just a little bit. And then I'm sitting back here going, yeah, you got married at 20. You have four <laughs> kids now. You have an amazing fit. Like, I don't relate to you at all. And so I, I, it really has made me feel that there is this huge void that needs to be addressed. That is something that so many of us face. So when I found you, social media can be an amazing thing. Uh, I felt like it was just, it was meant to be that the two of us needed to connect. We needed to talk. We, we needed to be able to spread our message together in whatever way we can, because yeah, like you said, this is, this is unique, um, very unique that we would, well, actually, no, here's the thing. It's not unique. There are so many of us that feel it. It's just unique that we would want to start talking about it from this perspective. Um, And so for me, own your timeline, my hashtag, it actually came from one of my followers who has been so supportive and has jumped on board this whole concept with me as soon as I started talking about it. Um, She's in her 30s, her early 30s, uh, into mid 30s, still single, not where she thought she would be, has siblings who are are already married, having children, and is leading this life that she didn't expect to have and now trying to figure out how you negotiate both the present and the future. And she and I would talk a lot and I've, you know, used her to kind of ask her advice on what it is she's looking for and what it is that scares her the most and things like that. And and she just all of a sudden said, hashtag own your timeline. I was like, yeah. "Um, I'm taking that. Okay. Is is that all right? She's like, yeah, it's all yours. Take it. I was like, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I'd been thinking like, trust your timeline, you know, just something, but she, she nailed it with own your timeline. And it has just been, I feel like so many women, when you actually hear that hashtag, when you actually read it, all of a sudden it's like, oh yes, you, you might not even realize the areas in your life that you're struggling with until you start hearing people talk about, yeah, I'm not where I thought I should be. And suddenly it kind of clicks and you realize, okay, I'm not alone for wondering why my life has taken this turn that I never expected. And it's just such a great 
way to find this community of these like-minded women who, who may not even have known until now what exactly it is they're struggling with. I mean, I always thought my problem was that I didn't have a boyfriend. That was not my problem. My problem (laughs) was that I needed to understand my life hadn't gone the way some societal norm said it should. And that my problem was getting over that societal norm and getting over what I thought my life should be so that I could accept what my life is and was. I'm over here like, yes, 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 yes. Hundred, hundred, hundred emoji, right? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the problem to me is that we're sitting here saying these things and it still seems like women and men have a hard time truly embracing and internalizing these truths. And yes, it's societal messages for sure that are combating what we know down deep. And what I love about what you're doing is saying, listen, what you think is your problem isn't your problem. And we hear it in other ways. I mean, because so many, you mentioned the self-help literature, which is one of the reasons I had to write my book. Because every book I read, like you said, there'd be this chapter here, this chapter there. But to my mind, most of the books that I read were telling me, Karen, you're still single at 39 or 40 because you're fundamentally flawed in some way. Yes. And I did not think that was a fair or accurate message because I thought, isn't there a fundamental flaw in someone who gets married because they're just scared of doing adult life alone? But we don't put any shame in their direction because marriage is the norm. It's the conventional pathway. So we dismiss and shame people who are actually doing something very brave and courageous and authentic by not falling prey to all those messages and just, okay, I'll just go ahead and be with someone to be with someone so everyone will get off my back. And so we're we're literally looking at people who are taking the hard path and the high road and we're shaming them. I mean, the comment you got the other day, I couldn't even believe it. We've talked about it. You talk about it in your posts. And I mean, from the comments you got when you were 35 and had yet to have a boyfriend and now comments even now that you're happily married well, what? How, why did it take you so long to get married? How did you not have a boyfriend all those years? I mean, you're still getting shamed because yeah. someone is not okay with your path. I was kind of blown away recently. I was having a conversation with somebody and and this is a, 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 a doesn't even matter who this person is. This is somebody that I respect, somebody who has uh, is being very helpful with where I am in my life right now and getting me to where I want to go. And that's awesome. And I was explaining to this person my story and why what I'm talking about right now has become like the passion of my life. I spent 16 years as a TV sports anchor and reporter before leaving that business two years ago and starting off on what has now turned into this journey. And I thought that was my life career. I thought that was my, my, what my career that would make me who I was and bring out all of my passion. And it is nothing compared to now having this voice and being able to speak to women on such a deep and meaningful level. And so I was trying to explain to this person, like, this is why I am doing this. This is my story. I was 35 and a half when I met my now husband. And up to that point, I had never had a boyfriend. I had never had a serious relationship. And I was telling this person that I thought when I was 35 and 35 and a half and all the years before that, that there was something wrong with me for not ever having had a relationship. And I I started to continue and, you know, go on about the realizations that I came to about how that wasn't correct. And this person interrupted me and said, well, you probably were the only 35-year-olds who've never had a boyfriend and laughed. And I was supposed to laugh too. And I kind of went, uh, oh, okay. And 
you know, I look back on it now, should I have said, actually, no, that's not true. And that's also not funny. Um, I didn't want to rock the boat with this person and it really wasn't worth it to me. But what it did hammer home is that still I've been married. Well, I've been with my husband now for four and a half years. Um, we've been married for one and a half and I, I'm so far from being single and yet being told, well, you probably were the only five-year-old who have never had a boyfriend. It brought me back to that spot of thinking, oh my God, maybe there is something wrong with me. I don't fit in with what all of these other people think I should be. So what is wrong with me? And I finished that conversation and for like a few days after, it just still kept sitting there in my mind because I just couldn't believe how easily I was taken back to that vulnerable place where I was in. And that's when I realized even more how important it is for us to be providing this space and this community and and this voice to women who are struggling also because they've made decisions in their lives that have been amazing decisions for them, but have not visually looked like what other people are doing and that that has brought them criticism and this idea that in in society we we use the idea of whether or not you're in a relationship whether or not you have a boyfriend whether or not you're sleeping with people and having lots of sex we use that as a <laughs> way of saying like how cool and acceptable you are you know if you i was talking to a, a friend of mine recently and she was saying how messed up was it i was reading this chat board once and it was something about you know hitler and somebody said well that guy clearly never got laid you know it, it's like we 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 equate right. you right. being a weird and in his case, obviously he's way more than weird. Like that's terrible. But this idea right. that you're weird if you've never had right. sex or if you've never had a boyfriend or if you've never, if you aren't currently in a relationship or if it's been 10 years since your last relationship, so, for some reason we equate in our culture and society, this idea of you are not a full person until you have someone else validate that. And that's not true. And it's just harmful to continue to let people believe that's the only way to see life. Yes. I mean, I could not have put it better. I love it. I love it. It's so important. And that is the problem that I see a lot in this space. Because first of all, it's very middle school to be judging people and validating, considering them to only have worth in this world if they are currently having sex with someone. I mean, really? Yeah. And this is one of the things that I share in my book. I encourage when these conversations, you know, for coming, we just did an Insta Live about going home for the holidays is coming up. And how do you manage some of those questions, those invasive questions or those comments that are going to be completely inappropriate and kind of hurtful? And sometimes it's because people are coming at you with their expectation of where you should be in their life. And they're going to expect that you will have this other person that validates your existence. And I always encourage people to cut them off at the pass, change the subject. We talked about this in the live. And and then mention, I don't know, like the 100 million other things that's going on in your life that are valuable and worthwhile to discuss, like your volunteer work and your career path or your friends or the travels that you've been taking. We We do. We are so myopic in this that... Person with with a significant other, good, normal, healthy. Person without, bad, abnormal, unhealthy. When, as I spoke to earlier and you speak to, 
The person with a significant other may be completely unhealthy. That relationship may be so dysfunctional in ways that we don't even have any idea. Yet we see them with a partner. Cool. I'm comfortable. Fine. Yes. And that makes everything okay. And there are no questions asked. Um, And I I think this is easier said than done. And I think for me, this has taken a lot of... um, therapy, but also, yeah. you know, introspection and just really looking back at the things that happened in my life, how I felt when they were happening, why I felt them when they were happening. But when people are asking us these questions, you know, when you go home for the holidays, whether it's a family member or a family friend or heck, somebody you hardly even know who happens to be over at the gigantic Christmas party that your family has each year, who knows? But when these people ask you these pointed questions about when are, why are you single? Why don't you have a boyfriend? When are you getting married? When are you having children? When they ask all of these questions, it actually has nothing to do with you. It is about this person's idea. This person's warped and outdated idea of what should make somebody happy and what should qualify as a complete and full life. So while you're the one who has to deal with this really crappy question and now you've got to figure out how to answer it, how to, you know, either make a statement, but also not totally ruin Christmas dinner or whatever is going on. <laughs> right. You need to make that decision. It's all in your court, but it was not asked because of you. It was asked because of what this person thinks. And in so many ways, I feel bad for those people. I feel bad that you feel the need to ask, in some cases, an almost stranger, some very intimate details of your life when you know that stranger is not going to turn around to you and say, so how healthy is your sex life with your husband? Or how healthy is your relationship? Uh, Do you see, do you go to marriage counseling or do you guys fight? I mean, no one ever asks those things, yet you feel like you can ask a single person or imply to a single person, you know, something about what their life says. But it again, it, it it's not about you. And so when I started to kind of realize that, it helped me deal with those questions a little bit easier because kind of it didn't almost matter what my response was because I knew inside that this was not about me. This was about right. them. I just needed to get through the situation in whatever <laughs> whatever manner made the most yeah. sense at that point. Right. Um, and a lot of times I just kind of shut my mouth and say, mm-hmm, uh-huh, okay, great. And just try to get out of the situation and move on. And then later I'll say to my husband or somebody, oh my God, can you believe this person actually thinks that? That is sad. Right. <laughs> and, it, and that's the way I try to, th- it's easier said than done. But when we kind of have this idea of why people ask these questions and then also why society has framed things this way, um, there's a lot of power in understanding that and understanding that these societal norms have been shaped for years and years and years and have nothing to do with us individually. They have everything to do with the way we used to be as women, the way that what our value used to be right. and those things carry on. I mean, let's be honest. The, it was, uh, let's see the, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie that came out within the last year or so. Um, 
I'm blanking out on the name, but it was, I watched that movie and at the end I sobbed and it was just, I had, I had an interesting reaction to it. I think more than most people, because what it said to me was this was the early seventies when she started fighting for women's equality in the law. And this was the seventies people. And there were still hundreds and hundreds of actual laws written in to our both overall constitution and state constitutions that said women couldn't do certain things because they were women. That Mm -hmm. was the seventies. My mom was, got married in the seventies. Like she was an adult in the seventies and that is still what the reality was. So no wonder here we are 40, 50 years later and those overriding ideas about what women should be doing are still pervasive. It has not been that long. Our lives look nothing like they did 40 to 50 years ago, but society hasn't caught up yet. So when I started to realize that a lot of these ideas about what I should be doing were coming from this place that made absolutely no sense to my present life, it helped me start to realize that I had been hanging my ideas and my hat on this like world that applied to me so little and was not in any way created by people who understand me or by myself. Um, And so that helped me kind of reframe the way life can and should look. And I love that you use that word reframe. That's a therapeutic technique <laughs> that I use on myself all the time. So much of, so much of what I learned as in my training to become a therapist, I use on myself all the time. I reframe all the time. And you're right. These norms were entrenched in our culture based on survival. I mean, back a hundred years ago, a woman absolutely needed a man to survive. So we have this luxury now where we as women don't need a man, which means we can then want Want. one, which is so much more powerful for coming from a place of need than it's get any guy to come into my life and validate me. But if we want a partner, that's when we are primed and positioned to have a truly healthy partnership, life partnership where I'm complete and independent in my own self. He's complete and independent in his own self. And together we come together hand in hand. And there's this fullness of the relationship that's absolutely impossible to have if you are coming from a position of need, which is what people will come from if they continue to swallow the Kool-Aid of I'm incomplete without a partner, which is why your platform is so powerful and empowering. And I want to say on the flip side of all this societal indoctrination that we absorb unwittingly from the time we're uh, like a minute old. Oh yeah. (laughs) But on the flip side, I remember over the years, and I'm curious if you ever felt this, over the years, sometimes, because we also were getting these very feminist messages of, you don't need a man. And so sometimes as I was getting my doctorate and becoming this professor, I almost then felt guilty sometimes that, well, I do want a boyfriend. <laughs> I do yeah. want to get married. Like I had the, the other messaging. So there was a little bit of tension between me. Like I know I'm complete without a man, but I still want a husband and a family. So that's a kind of interesting reality that this generation is kind of having to grapple with. Oh my gosh, I I completely agree with that. And I I think one of the big things I want to make clear in in my message, because 
when I was single and when I was struggling, the only resources that I felt I could find at the time were articles on how to find a guy, how to impress him on a first date, how to ensure a second date, what you could be doing wrong. All of these like how-to guys on how you, how-to guides on how you were supposed to get a right. man. And those were not helpful. And those just made me feel even worse because yep. clearly there was something so totally wrong with me that I needed you to tell me how to find a guy so that I could complete myself. But then, so what I, when I originally started on this platform, it was really just me sharing my stories because I didn't want to say how to do anything. I just wanted to be able to have you relate to my stories and, and, all of that. I also wanted to make clear that, you know, when I did finally start to accept who I was and went through all of these steps, I met my husband six weeks later. So wow. I, I don't think that's a coincidence in any way, but I also don't want to make this seem like, you know what, if, if you follow everything that I did, right. you're going to meet your husband in six weeks. Cause that, that's not the point. Um, the point is to love who you are, where you are, what you're doing right now. But I don't want anyone to think that when they they read my stuff or they listen to me talk or anything that I'm saying, you are so good by yourself, you don't need anybody, and so kiss goodbye the dream of having a husband right. and kids and a family, because that's not what it is at all. And the entire time that I was single and miserable, I wanted, first and foremost, I wanted to not be miserable, but second. I wanted that dream. I wanted that husband. I wanted those children. I wanted that life that I had always envisioned. And I was having to begin to accept it was going to be later in my life if it ever happened. But I never lost that goal or that moment in life that I had hoped to get to. And so I think it is so important to let women know that you can be strong and independent and you can absolutely love your life and still want something more. That is human nature. And so whatever it is you still want that's out there, like keep reaching for that. But at the same time, don't have your entire focus be on that future that you don't have yet. You need to be able to focus on where you are right now and how great things are. But it doesn't make you any less of a strong, independent, amazing woman if you still want that quintessential picket fence and family and 2.5 kids or whatever it is for you. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just all about being able to do it on your terms and in a way that helps you love the journey to get there. Yes. I love how you put that. And then how did you then start making that shift? Give us some tangibles. What steps that listeners could take if they're in the same journey? Well, so I had done therapy for years and I highly recommend it. I think yes. that even, even if you don't have, because w- even once I found my husband, part of me was like, oh, I guess I don't need therapy anymore. No, I, I did. <laughs> I still I still do. I, I go, uh, I meet with my therapist every other week and in many ways, just being able to sit and talk and just for an hour know that I am unjudged in everything that I'm saying and I never have to worry about my friend getting annoyed that I keep talking about X, Y, or Z. Like I have that space to do it. So therapy was, was a wonderful, Tool, tool for me um, for, for many years, but it wasn't a, a how-to on how to, how to get out of it. So it was very much like trying to figure out where my thoughts were coming from, what it was that was making me feel so strongly about what I thought my life should be and all of that. So it was helpful, but it, it didn't, it wasn't enough. Um, I needed to 
do a lot of my own kind of soul searching, if you will. Um, and so really what started to change things for me, um, I, I traveled alone twice, um, because, you know, once you get into your thirties, I'm sure a lot of women can relate out there. So many of your friends are married or in significant relationships. And then for me, my job was insane. So my schedule was crazy. If I wanted to go on a vacation, I had no one to go with. Like my best girlfriends would be like, well, that sounds great. But if I'm going to spend money on a vacation this year, I'm going with my husband or my boyfriend or whatever, or then, you know, their schedules did not match up with mine and it just, it didn't work. And so finally I said, screw this. I'm just going to go to Mexico for a few days because that's what I want to do. And the first yeah. time I did it, um, I was about 33, 33 ish. And that was, it was, it was good. It was a good first try for me for sure. And I definitely, uh, grew from it, but it was hard. Oh my gosh. It was just that the entire time I was there, I was just like, I'm alone. I'm alone because I don't have a boyfriend. Holy crap. Look at all these happy people around me who are with somebody. And that didn't help too. It's Mexico and their idea of where men and women, their, their roles are, are a little bit more defined than Mm -hmm. they are here. And I kept having staff come up to me asking me where my husband was. (laughs) It was awkward. So it took me about two years later and finally, Finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this again. And that was in March. I, I met my husband in May. So this was in March um, of two. Th- oh gosh, I'm going to get my years mixed up. 2015, maybe. Um, and so we are 2014, 2014. So we, um, I get there and I knew going in that this was going to be a little bit different because leading up to that trip, I was getting really excited. And I was thinking about I'd gone to resorts before these all inclusive adults only resorts. And I, you know, I knew how they worked. I knew the possibilities of how you could do absolutely nothing, or you could go off and do absolutely everything. It was all totally up to you. And I was starting to think about how I got to control that entire four days that I was there. All of that was completely mine to do with as I wanted. And so I would get there, I would wake up like seven in the morning because Oh my God, my husband and I go on vacation now. We're never up at seven in the morning. So I, sometimes I look back at this trip and I'm like, wow, that really was a great trip. I'll never be able to replicate that. But I was up at seven in the morning. I was in the gym. I was in, had breakfast and was claiming the best beach chair in the place by 9 a.m. And it, I just, I loved it. And there was this sense of freedom that I had that I hadn't experienced before because the last time I had been on my own, it was all I could do to tell, you know, to stop telling myself you're alone, you're alone. It was, it was the dialogue that just kept going on in my head. Yes, and in this case, yes. it was kind of like, Hey, you don't have anybody else. You have to ask what they want to do. You just get to go off and do it. And so I left that trip with a kind of renewed sense of the power that I had as a single person. Mm -hmm. And so I got home and ended up going the next month in April, going to San Francisco where my brother and his wife lived. And they had, uh, they now have two children at the time. They still just had one and Ben was pretty little. And so I was just absolutely obsessed with my first nephew. I mean, I still am. He's <laughs> wonderful, but you know, he's still a tiny baby and just going out to see him was, was so wonderful. And there was, um, and San Francisco is beautiful. I, I lived there for a few years and it's always wonderful to go back. And there was this morning that we went to go get, uh, coffee and we we're walking back. My brother, 
brother and his wife lived in the marina. Um, if anyone knows San Francisco, that's a, it's a lovely area. It's, um, you know, on a beautiful day, you're right by the water. It's just, it's amazing. So, and this was, it was a beautiful, gorgeous day. And we were walking back through the marina and this woman started, was walking towards us and she was probably 80 ish and she was by herself. I never spoke to this woman. I know nothing about this woman's story. I have no clue what she was doing out on this Saturday morning, this beautiful Saturday morning in San Francisco. She had a huge smile on her face. She passed us. I don't even think that we smiled or said hi or anything like that. And all of a sudden, something in my head just like flipped. I just, everything kind of fell into place a little bit. And suddenly I could picture myself as that woman. I could picture myself living in San Francisco, if that's what I chose, in a, on a beautiful day in a beautiful neighborhood, out enjoying just whatever it was I wanted to enjoy. And for the first time in my life, I started to envision a future in the way I had envisioned that trip to Mexico by myself. I suddenly started telling myself, well, you can move to San Francisco. You can stay in New York. You can move to Mexico. You can do whatever you want. And this idea that, hey, if I continue to really work hard in my job, make enough money to be able to make these decisions, I can move to San Francisco. And if I don't ever have kids myself, I'll be near my nephew and any other nieces or nephews that may come. And I'll be able to be a part of their lives. And I can spoil them in the way that only you know aunts and uncles can. <laughs> Grandparents are lumped into that group too. It's a great thing. You just get to pass them off when, you know, when you're done with the spoiling. Uh, and then mom and dad get to deal with it. But um, you know, <laughs> I got excited for the first time about all of the possibilities that could be there before me. And this idea that I got to not only make the calls, but I would get to create it. That because I had worked so hard or would continue to work so hard, I'd put myself in a financial, in just a life place where I could make some of these decisions that were going to make me truly, truly happy. And what it took so I went home from that trip and was suddenly like, I'm okay with being single. And then there's the, you know, the cynical side of me that's like, well, let's see how long this lasts. You kind <laughs> of said this before. But I knew it was different. I knew I felt different about it. And I ended up, I met my husband six weeks after that. So wow. I think that my headspace at that time changed enough so that when I did meet my husband, I was, from the very first moment that we met, I was more myself than I had ever been in any previous dating experience because I had been afraid to be myself. So with him, he he knew me from the very, very beginning. And I think that is a huge part as to why our relationship is as strong as it was. But looking back on it now, I didn't really necessarily realize in the time, I'm like, I just came to this epiphany and I, man, I pat myself <laughs> on the back. Good job, Laura. <laughs> but what I really started to, to realize over the years and as I've really taken a chance to, um, you know, kind of analyze what, what I've gone through up to that point in San Francisco, when I walked past an unknown 80 ish year old stranger, yeah. I had never allowed myself to think of a future that did not involve all of those aspects that I thought it should. Mm -hmm. So when I would sit there and, you know, by myself thinking about what was to come, 
the only future I allowed myself to envision involved a husband, involved kids, where we would travel as a family, where we would live as a family, when we might get a dog, if we could get another dog, what, whatever it was, it was totally centered around this family that didn't exist. And because I didn't even have a boyfriend who could turn into that husband, my future, given everything that I had, was blank. There was Mm. nothing there. I didn't allow myself to think about anything other than what I wanted it to be. No wonder I was terrified. No wonder I had just no sense of who I was or where I was going as a single person because I wasn't allowing myself to. And when I finally turned on the lights, if you will, about my potential future and started to give myself permission to plan out a life that was mine, that that was only involving the things that I already had, the things I could already control. And I could make it beautiful and I could make it mine and I could make it something that I would look forward to. That is really what started to change things for me. Um, I have a, a friend who's a body positivity um, uh, it's, it's writer, speaker, everything. She's absolutely amazing. And one of her big things when people are trying to lose weight and they feel terrible about who they are and uh, currently, she always says that what you need to do is think ahead to what you will do when you've lost all that weight or when you've gotten to that point that you now think you'll be okay, like this point in your life you're living for. What would you be doing? Now do it right now. Yes. And that's so much how I felt about this future. What would your future be? Okay, how can we make that future a reality for what you have in your life right now? So that was that was really the turning point for me. And it was kind of a bit subconscious at the time, which I've now made a bit more conscious and which I now can try and help people maybe understand in their own lives that I didn't really get at the time. Um, but the ways that I was holding myself back is what was basically paralyzing me with fear. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Karen. That's D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. Live tweet with me when I watch my favorite shows, Will and Grace, my brand new fave, God Friended Me. And of course, all shows Bachelor Nation. Join me on Facebook where I'm stepping up my Facebook Live game. I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I got to break some of this down because you were doing all these therapeutic techniques. You were really internalizing what you were learning in therapy, and that was the shift. And I always want to get those tangibles because listeners are oftentimes looking at, well, what can I do? What can I do today? And one of the things you did, you said, I got to I gotta do some soul searching. I got to figure out where these thoughts are coming from. And it, it really, the traveling alone, when you reframe, getting back to a reframe, when you reframe that from, I'm alone, woe is me, look at all these happy couples, and here I am single, to I'm alone, I'm in control, I'm in charge, this vacation goes down exactly the way I want it to go down, I'm in a place of power, I can enjoy my own company. That was a first step of power. 
And then when you started with this woman, this random woman who I love that this random woman has no idea that she was part of this pivot of this yep. shift for and you. And I could I, never pick her out of a lineup if I no. ever saw her again, but I love her. I, I you love, love her. her. <laughs> she She's this touchstone for you. This, yes. and, and so in that you could go, you know what? I could be her. And because I've decided that I could be okay, I will be okay if that is what happens for me. And then because you were allowed, you allowed yourself to just contemplate that if that happened, maybe it wouldn't be your first choice, but you would still determine that you would be okay. That freed you up to be what you said more yourself when dating, instead of coming from a place of, well, I hope this works out and I, I can't envision a life without this man and this family and this dog and this white picket fence, that kind of energy when you're entering a dating scenario is going to inadvertently put you on edge. You're yes. not realizing it, but you're, you're, you're edgy because you're like, I hope this works out. I hope I don't yep. get rejected. You're 10 years in the future with this yeah. date and you met this guy 10 minutes ago. But once you were able to settle down in a sense, because you took charge of your thoughts. And you know, the theme of my podcast is take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life. So I love how this was very cognitive. We're pretty cerebral. We're in our heads all the time anyway. So if we're going to be up in there, we might as well take charge and empower ourselves through our thought processes. And so when you were able to be more yourself, then you were able to even get away from that rigidity. And that's another therapeutic concern we talk about especially certain uh, cognitive therapies like acceptance and commitment therapy, we look at how our rigidity makes us miserable. When you were so rigidly adhered to, this is the only way my life can go. If it doesn't go that way, I will be miserable. You were so rigid in that thinking. Once you let go of that, you were able to be more flexible and that allowed you to be present in the here and now, which is mindfulness. Another therapeutic technique that we teach is to be present, be here. And you were able to go, wait a minute. I actually love who I am here and now. I love my life. I love my career. I love what I'm about here and now. And the other therapeutic technique that you implemented without even realizing it is what we call acting as if. So when you spoke about your friend who does the body positive stuff and says, imagine who you want to be and act as if you are that person now, you started doing that. You imagined who you want to be in the future and said, I can be that person now. And that again is so powerful. So for anyone who's going, I love Laura's story, but how do I actually do it? That's what she did. And when you tell it that way, it gives someone a roadmap like, okay, Laura did it. I can do it. And I also want to, and I know you will support me in this, these mindset shifts, like you, like that cynical part of you was like, well, how long is this going to last? Yes. None of this will last just the way your muscle is going to atrophy if we do not do this on a consistent daily basis. It's a discipline like any other discipline in our lives, whether it's working out, whether it's eating healthily, we have to do the same type of disciplined work with our mindset. Oh gosh, that is, that is so true. And you know, when I did meet my husband's name is Mark, when I did meet Mark and I had, you know, come to this point in my life where I was okay with being single. And, and yet I suddenly met this guy. We, we met on match, which is a, a whole other, we could do an entire podcast just on that. But, um, <laughs> when, when, and I was about to go off match. Like he was the last person that I ever spoke to on match because I was done. I was done trying to find, trying to force my way into finding a relationship. And I was like, you know what? over, done, totally done. And before our third date, I actually was very, very much contemplating 
breaking things off with him. Had nothing to do with him. He loves when I tell this story. Um, it had nothing to do with him. Um, <laughs> you know, cause there was, there was that voice in my head that was like, um, yeah, you feel good now, but this has happened before and I don't know what's going to happen. Like yes. you might be in a puddle in two months, who knows? So, you know, good luck. And, uh, she's a brat. She is so that voice in your head does not serve you. No. But I, I just kept thinking about that and thinking, you know, I'm really at a good place. And in the past for me, whenever I have met somebody that I did like, and then I allowed myself to jump 10 years into the past, into the future when we'd known each other for like literally 10 minutes, um, everything blew up and it was terrible. And then I would fall back down into that hole of self-despair and what am I doing wrong? And, you know, whenever a relationship ended, even if it was just two dates, I felt like, well, there goes that perfect future that you had. It's gone now. What are you going to do? And I didn't want to put myself back there. And so I really, really had to think about it. And when I got to our third date, he had gotten there ahead of me and I walked in the door and here he was at the bar, like the bar was empty. There were 8 million chairs he could have chosen from, but he picked two and he was very carefully arranging them so that the two of us would be able to have a good conversation and that I would be comfortable and like, where's the vent? And I'll make sure that she's not under it. And you know, I mean, that's just, that's my husband. But I walked in and I looked at him and without him even seeing me yet, without us saying a word to each other, I just said to myself, I just, I I want to keep seeing this man. I want to get to know this man. And I never again thought about breaking up with him or worried about breaking up with him for all of those reasons that I'd been worried about before. And the big reason for that is because in that moment, I knew I didn't need him to be my person. I knew that I did not need whatever was going to happen between us to work out. I knew it wasn't about need anymore. I was totally okay and was actually having conversations with myself about maybe you're better off going this alone right now. I wanted to be with him and I wanted to get to know him better. And that too was the first time in my life that I got to phrase it that way and truly mean it. And I knew in that moment, if it didn't work out, I was going to be okay. It's just so empowering to approach dating, to approach life from that vantage point. And when we think about our lives, and this is hard, I know in my 20s, I couldn't do this, but in my 40s, I can. When we think about our lives and look at And that's another reason I want, I love what you're doing and I want to encourage women. And of course, we're talking about your timeline and this isn't just for singles. This is for women who got married and they're waiting for that baby or they're waiting for baby Mm -hmm. number two, or there's infertility issues, or there's, wait a minute, I got married and then he got sick and now I'm dealing with chronic illness. I mean, there's life throws us curveball after curveball, but when we come from it from a, a position of empowerment, meaning I know that I don't need any of this to be happy because the happiness comes from within. That's where we are empowered and then we lose the fear. You know, there's this quote by, I think it's Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She actually did all the grief stuff, but the the quote is that there's really two two emotions in our lives. It's love and fear. Mm-hmm. And when we're coming and approaching dating or marriage or babies or anything from a position of fear, that's where we're disempowered because fear paralyzes us. Fear terrorizes us. And all of that energy is stewing and and it creates the anxiety and all of this. But when we dial it back and go, but the need is really where the fear is because if the need is there and then it's not met, then I'm going to be miserable. But when we come from a place of, but no, I can decide if I'm miserable or not. And I get to decide what I need or not. 
And then when I come from a position of, yes, I would love these things, but I'm okay if I don't get them, then we're empowered. And I just love how you've expressed that and shared that and then looked at how that affected your dating life. You know, and, and again, getting back to this kind of holistic notion, I know that I've talked to some people who are Maybe they met their person. Maybe they had a starter marriage in their 20s and 30s, and then they met their person in their 40s or 50s. And they'll say things like, you know, we wouldn't have been good together yes. when we were 28 yes, because we were too needy or because we were going for different things. But as we've accumulated all this wisdom and going through heartbreak, which stinks, and I went through so many, so I'm coming from a place of been there, felt that. But if I look back with wisdom, and just lay back from, I wish it had gone this way and go, but you know what? What did I learn when it went the way I didn't want it to go? Look at the strength I gained from having to go through heartache after heartache and having to go it alone as a single adult. When I look at that, all that experience, none of it was wasted and all of it makes me a better partner for my husband now. Oh, it's, it's so, so true. And I think that this for me is why it's so important to have a community, a feeling of a community yes. where women can come and and share their stories and share what they're going through. Because, you know, for me, when I was growing up, my my parents were awesome. They I have a younger brother and the two of us were raised to be totally the same. Like me being a girl, him being a boy, it meant nothing about what our future offered us. I could do whatever my brother did. Um, I, my parents never pressured about marriage or children or anything. They obviously wanted me to have all of that. But, you know, I was told you be whatever it is that makes you happy. And, you know, as a result, I started a really difficult career and I flourished. Um, and that was awesome. But when I hit 30 and didn't have that, that perfect personal life that I had thought I was supposed to have, you know, I really, you start to realize that, yes, while my parents had been telling me all these great things about what I could do, they met when they were 20. Uh, they got married at 23 and 24. My mom was 27 when she had me, which was somewhat older than other yeah. people, you know, in her peer sure. group. And so the, the words they were saying to me did not match up with the visual that I was exposed to. So I feel like the more women can share their different and unique stories and their timelines and their life paths and other women can just hear those, you start to see that there are infinite ways to live a life that, that yes. there is happiness that can become, that can come in so many different ways. It could be meeting your person when you're 55. It could be, it could be meeting your person at 25. I mean, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, because it took me a lot longer to find my person. That doesn't mean it can't happen earlier, but right. the more different stories we share, because those stories right now are not being reflected to us through the media. And for right. many of us, they're not being reflected through our own personal family experiences. And so we feel lost and it makes you feel even more alone in where you are and what you're going through because you think you are the only one who is leading a different life. And it is so not true. So in many, many ways, we need to be peer mentoring each other simply mm -hmm. through our experiences. And, you know, the hope for me is that little girls who are born now, as they grow up, they're just naturally going to be starting to see different ways that women are living their lives in a way that we 
weren't able to because it wasn't happening yet, at least not in the numbers that it's it's beginning to happen in now. And so that we'll get to a point where little girls aren't going to have to wonder about what their options are because they're going to have seen tons and tons of them. But right now we don't have those. We have those amongst our peer group. And so it's really important as women that we talk to each other and that we tell our stories. We might not think our stories are that interesting or unique, but oh my goodness, they are. And they just illustrate the different ways a life can go. And they help other women who are paving their own way feel a little bit better about that, that path that they are taking and creating for themselves. Absolutely. And from that vantage point, they can then, like you did, rest in the here and now, value themselves, not looking to anyone else or anything else to validate themselves. They can do that on their own. And then they are perfectly primed and positioned to be ready for a powerful marriage. You know, I tell my my followers, I'm like, I wasn't looking for mediocre. You know, by the time I got to like where, where you got to in your 30s, I thought, okay, clearly I can do this adult thing alone. And so if someone's going to be part of this, they got to be pretty exceptional. Yes. And, you know, that took calling off a, 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 an engagement. You know, my story mm-hmm. is a it was quite circuitous. <laughs> it took me it took me some time, but again, and and the thing that I love is, you know, and you see it too when I post about this stuff. Sometimes I think, gosh, you know, women know this by now in this new millennium, we know that we're okay in and of ourselves and I think, gosh, no, because when I post stuff like this, I get that same feedback. Wow, I needed to hear this today. I was starting to starting to doubt myself or very few responses will come back at like, hey, I'm I'm good single. Most people are still struggling with the single life to some degree with all the questions that the, and the self-doubts that we've spoken to and that we experienced over the years. So when we build this community as you are doing with your own, your timeline and building this space for women to dialogue and to, like you said, to do the peer mentoring and to be like, hey girl, you got this because I know exactly how you feel because I was there. But man, hold out. Don't settle. Don't go for that mediocre relationship because everyone talks about how hard marriage is. And I'm like, yeah, it's not. (laughs) Not It's not. (laughs) It's not. It's not. And I I have a podcast episode about that where my husband and I just talked about, you know, the whole relationships are a ball and chain and it's all that hard. I'm thinking, no, no, no. If you can, if you can do the hard thing, which is to wait for the right one, it's not all that hard. So what you're doing, what you're posting, what you're presenting on your platform even though we sometimes go, gosh, don't women know this yet? We don't. We don't enough. And we need, and it's like anything, like I said earlier, even if we know it for a week and we feel pretty good, then we're going to have that rough week. And we need to go to that space and get that encouragement again. So thank you so much for what you're doing, Laura. And thank you for joining me today. Do you have any parting words or how can my listeners follow you, find you? What's coming up for you and your passion and your purpose that you've taken on with this own your timeline message? Well, good question. And do you have another hour? Because I could yeah. probably fill it with all of that. But um, well, <laughs> you're coming all, back on the podcast oh, for sure. Good, good. Thank you. Um, because I, I feel like I mean, after after we did our Instagram live, my mom texted me and was like, "You two were so perfect together. Are you sure you haven't known each other forever?" It's like, okay, <laughs> That's yeah, how it well, feels. <laughs> it is. It really is. Um, so I think the easiest way to find me right now is um on Instagram. It's Laura B Banky. My last name is B E H N K E. Uh, and also. So my website is thelifeactuallycompany.com. So that is the business that I'm building right now. It's called The Life Actually Company. Uh, in the new year, I will be starting a podcast, which 
you will be on as well Yay. for sure. Um, <laughs> and then also lots of stuff that I'm working on to come out in, in the new year um, from coaching, mentoring, courses, just whatever I can do. And I'm really in the process of putting that all together right now, all these ways that I can share the experiences I went through to help women start to put their own lives in perspective or to shift that perspective and, and get the most out of where they are right now. So in order to find out about all that stuff, the best way is to follow me on Instagram or the Life Actually Company. You can also sign up for the newsletter updates on the website as well. And uh, that's where you will be kept up to date. And I just wanted to say too, for parting words, you had mentioned it earlier and you kind of touched on it just now, but this, how important it is to continually be reminding ourselves of these, you know, of these points and these thoughts. And it's not that all of a sudden, like one day I had this epiphany and this light bulb moment and you know what, now I'm good for the rest of my life. I'm good. We (laughs) need each other continually, you know, and even though my husband and I are happily married now, I, I don't have a child yet. There's always something that is going to be in your life that's telling you you aren't quite where you should be at this point. So this is a lifelong practice and I don't want anyone to think there's like five steps to take and now you're done. Right. You're all set. You're cool. So that's why that's why you write and talk about what you do. That's why I write and talk about what I do. This is a support that, that is ongoing and just knowing that you have that support now and in the future and you don't have to just figure it all out right now. Um, That's something we get to spend our whole life doing. So that's exciting. It is. And I am so excited to have met you. I know we're going to meet IRL sometime very soon. That's definitely going to be on the uh, top things to do for 2020 2020 for sure. Thanks again for everything you're doing and for coming on to the show. Like I said, you got to come back, especially when you've got some of these courses and things ready up and running. I'm so happy to know that I can send people your way. And from our Insta Live, one of your followers just hit me up in my DMs and said they got my book. She said, you know, she was having a rough week and the book was just what she needed. And of course, as you know, when you're creating this kind of stuff, to know that it's touching people in the way that you hope to touch them makes all the difference. Thank you for sharing your people with me. And I'm happy to share my people with you. I just love all this, this synergy. It's really, I'm really excited about next steps for us. So thanks again, Laura. Thank you, Karen. This was great. The love and life hack for this week is hashtag own your timeline. You can do it. I love how Laura integrated all that she was learning in therapy. She took charge of her thoughts by examining where those beliefs were coming from and then challenged them and reframed them. This allowed her to be in the now without that rigidity of, I must have this life and I must have these kids and this husband and the white picket fence. And when she let go of that, she was able to be in the fullness of the present moment and be herself and go on dates without thinking, is this going to work out? Is he going to reject me? Is he going to like me? She could just be authentically herself. And then when she was able to act as if, act as if you are the person you want to be. So much power by integrating those therapeutic techniques into her daily life. Thank you so much for listening and for joining us today. Thanks so much for sharing the podcast, for rating and reviewing. All of it means so much to me, and I really, truly appreciate it. And until next time, make it a great week.
Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.